On this episode of Fielding Questions, we're talking ballparks. Uh, I feel like it's a second home. You know, there's a famous saying, the house that Root built, but it's the house that became a home to me. Philly's not quite as a pretty as a, as a unfortunately as a Phillies fan. I'd rather go see a game at Pittsburgh just because of the backdrop. I can't go to Fenway. I'd get arrested. <laughs> I think I'd get arrested for fighting. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mandy Bell, Guardian's beat reporter for MLB.com. And with me is the wonderful Sarah Langs, researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. Welcome back to Fielding Questions, where each episode we're going to try to answer one big question about baseball by talking to fans, talking to players, and of course, talking to each other, which we do all the time anyway. This week, we're asking about ballparks, and we want to know what makes a great ballpark experience. We'll talk to a few players about their perspective from on the field and get into our experience working at MLB stadiums. But first, Sarah, let's just start with this. Tell me about your favorite ballpark experience as a fan. I think if I have to pick one, it is. So I think I've mentioned I grew up a Mets fan. I don't root anymore. But as a kid, I was a Mets fan. And in 2009 the Mets opened City Field. So that was the first time that I got a chance to go to a new ballpark for my favorite team. And I distinctly remember logging on, getting tickets for this game that was St. John's against Georgetown for the first ever game in City Field history. So they did a trial run with a college game, figure out how everything works, all of that went there with my parents. I think every ticket was like $10 too, (laughs) which was uh, pretty cool. And I remember walking in and, you know, the experience of walking into a ballpark for the first time is really cool because you don't really know where you are. (laughs) And I think going in as a fan, as opposed to from a media entrance, is even cooler because you're seeing what every fan sees. So we go in through the Jackie Robinson Rotunda. I'm looking up. I'm thinking, this is where my team plays now. I'm processing that moment. And I remember going up. I remember going onto the field level and seeing the field for the first time. And I remember there was some R.E.M. song playing. It may have been the one I love. I remember this so distinctly. So for me, I think that moment of being a fan, seeing my team's home, my team's new home for the first time, is probably what stands out to me most. What about you? When I grew up, I was a Yankees fan. And I think the best memory for me was Jeter's last home game. Jeter, he was the one who sort of got me into baseball. And the second that he announced his retirement in February of 2014, I was leaving school that day. I was in high school and I called my dad and he was in a meeting and I made the receptionist interrupt his meeting. And I said, no, this is urgent. And I'm sure she thought that there was like some tragic death or something. Maybe I got really sick at school and he got on the phone. He's like, what's up? Are you all right? And I'm like, no, Jeter's retiring. We need to do something about it. And he's like, oh, my God, this is what we're doing. I said, we need to go to the game. I'm sure these tickets are going to go insane. 
And so that day he said, all right, go for it. And so I just went on and I tried to buy the cheapest seat I could find because those are going to get ridiculously expensive. 258 a piece. I remember that. And that was for the second to last row in the upper deck. So at least got there. I have never felt a ballpark like that. I have never felt that type of aura, vibe, atmosphere, all of those things combined. You could feel something different, especially in late in the game. They blew the lead, came back for the ninth. I think Jeter was due up third that inning. And I looked at my dad and I said, he's going to have a walk-off. I know he's going to have a walk-off. Like, this is going to happen. And it did. Spoiler alert. There was just nothing like it. You walk in and it was it was rainy. The whole day was rainy. But like the ballpark was jam-packed from early the second the gates opened. And for me, new Yankee Stadium never felt like old Yankee Stadium. Obviously, it was nicer. But there was never that feel that you got at old Yankee Stadium. Like, this place is special. This place has history. You always hear the people talking about the ghosts of Yankee Stadium where, like, all the past players have, like, this extra, you know, little oomph that they can help the team win. You felt that. And that was what was cool, is that was the first time new Yankee Stadium that I had been there felt like old Yankee Stadium. I know you have covered postseason games. Yeah. I have worked on postseason games and attended them as a fan but it's amazing and i think it says so much about baseball that it doesn't have to be in october to be an incredible ballpark memory i think that says so much about the sport it really does and i think history and that feeling of community are such a big part of what makes going to the ballpark so special for fans uh but i think we should talk also with some MLB players about which ballpark experience are the most special for them. So we're going to do that right after a quick break. I was at Mariano's too when he cried on the mound his last game. I was at the first game here and I was at the last game there. I think it's just the, the people. I come to a lot of games and you see faces that are familiar each time and you be sure to say hi and you know you get used to announcers and the, the music and the lockup songs and all that and it just it just it feels comfortable to be home welcome back to fielding questions with me mandy bell guardians beat reporter for mlb.com and sarah lang's researcher and reporter for mlb.com as well as we said right before the break we're going to get into more from the player's perspective. They feed off the energy from the crowds. They're seeing the clubhouses, the workout spaces. They're seeing a whole different side of the ballparks that we never see. We have a handful of players who wanted to weigh in on this topic, but let's start with Cleveland starting pitcher Tristan McKenzie. I asked him just before the Guardians went to Boston about his favorite ballpark experiences so far in his major league career. I think like Dodger Stadium was 
super, super cool for me because, like, we got to be there on Father's Day and, like, just the atmosphere there was, was electric. Uh, I'm excited to go to Boston. Fenway's just, like, a park with so much history and I think the fans really enjoy the game. They really get into the game and I enjoy, like, going to stadiums where the energy comes from the crowd as opposed to, like, from the scoreboard and stuff like that. It just makes it feel more like a, a true baseball game to me. I love that about the energy coming from the fans. And again, I think this gets to that idea that the ballpark is really just the vehicle for the fan base, the history, whatever else it is. Because, you know, he's associating it with, okay, like the ballparks where the energy comes from the fans. So it's really about which fans he enjoys playing in front of, right? Yeah, and it goes back to that community that he creates. And I think that in talking with him, he just kept going back to the fan bases and which ones understand and are in the game the most and who the most intelligent fan bases. Because even as an opponent, it's it's enjoyable. You have fans, even if they're booing you, players love that stuff. They love fans who are engaged in the game. Um, so yeah, I think that that theme there is just like the historical parks just famously have those fans who are really rooted in the history there, really rooted in the game. And I think that's the biggest thing for him. So let's take a listen. Another one. Uh, we have Rich Hill, who uh, the wonderful Bethlehem Ashame was able to uh, chat with for us. What's your favorite thing about your home park, so Fenway? Any unique quirks, or is there anything fans might not know about it? Um... Maybe the visiting uh, dugout's uh, dugout bathroom. <laughs> it has a lot of the electrical for most of the uh, um, television cameras, and um, you know. But then there's a, a small urinal in there <laughs> that can be used by the players. So it's actually, you know, it always comes back to you know Babe Ruth used this, and all the great players that came through this has been like kind of like the one constant that's been here is this small little toilet so it's kind of uh it's kind of funny because i don't think a lot of people know about it except for the players and and uh coaches that come through what just happened <laughs> i don't know i don't know this is a podcast it's a auditory uh medium but i wish you could all see our faces as we <laughs> listen to that and again shout out to battle M. I didn't hear her laughing in there. We were certainly laughing. But it does get to a really good point that when we think about ballparks, we think from the fan perspective, we think about the seats, the concessions, everything available to fans. But there are so many other rooms and parts of ballparks that you never see unless you're actually a player. So, uh, Thank you, Rich Hill, for uh, bringing us inside of one of those unique rooms. You're telling me you never think about the urinal and the visitor dugout? <laughs> have to say, it had never crossed my mind, but now, now I'll be thinking about it <laughs> watching a Red Sox game. This is going to be my favorite answer. It's going to be my favorite answer. I, I know yeah. we have so many more to go, but it's going to be my favorite answer. All right, let's take a listen to another one. This is Padres pitcher Sean Manaya telling our AJ Cosbell about his time in a summer collegiate league playing with the Du Bois County Bombers. Played in League Stadium, which is in um, Huntingsburg, Indiana. That's where they shot 
um, a league of their own. I, I think it was Warner Bros. They came in and built built that stadium, and then they just left it. And uh, so yeah, I played a whole summer there. And uh, they still got like the old like wooden uh, like rock and peaches like signs and all that stuff up there. Um, the stands are all like old wooden stuff, and um, yeah, just a really cool, really cool experience. What Not was the best it? field, but yeah, just like everything about it was cool. That's really, really cool. I love this from John Manaya. And it makes me think about uh, the Field of Dreams game and the ballpark that was built there. It's near where they shot Field of Dreams, but it's an actual MLB approved uh, ballpark. And the game there in 2021 was a movie. I mean, Tim Anderson with the walk-off home run, all of those home runs in the ninth inning of that game that is the only game, at least as of our recording, where the Yankees have had Jim Carlson and Aaron Judge homer, and they lost the game. They always win when those two homer, except in the movie atmosphere at Field of Dreams. So I love that Sean Maniah remembered playing at the ballpark from a league of their own and that that really stood out to him. I think that's a really cool thing. And it's an important point that ballparks are not just the 30 MLB ballparks. Ballparks are everywhere. We have minor league. We have ones that aren't even professional and they're all really meaningful for people. Yeah, I think that's really neat. And I think it brings attention to just how many different areas you can have. I mean, you can have different... Ballparks from all over. I think the first thing that comes to my mind is the Little League Classic field that they created. I think it was from the, was it what was it the Williamsport Crosscutters that it, it have that field now, um, and it it went from this it was historic field at Bowman Park if I'm thinking correctly. Um, yeah, it right. was really, uh, I don't want to say dumpy, but it wasn't great, and it was not in great condition and then that first year that it opened up it was 2017 was the first time they had the little league classic and i was able to be there and um talk to the field maintenance guys for a story on how they renovated the whole place to make it like major league ready and it's still a small park it only holds a couple thousand people it's really tiny and it's uh, but it's like up to MLB standard now and it's beautiful it's so cool it's such a nice atmosphere um it brings like a little league game to a big league spotlight in a way and I think those types of fields are so neat things for people to experience that are different from like the huge cathedral style ballparks where all these fans are are in the in the stadiums in the seats and it's just larger than life and to make these types of fields be so small and intimate um I think it brings a different a perspective to taking in a baseball game so I'm glad that he did bring that up I'm glad we have a different perspective than just uh just the typical 30 um I know we have we have so many more I want to hear what Mariners reliever Paul Seawald had to say when our Daniel Kramer asked him about his favorite ballpark memory from before he reached the majors um well I have a lot so my family and I tried to get to all 30 major league parts before I graduated high school and went to college uh, we got very close. We got to 23 of them uh, as my family. So I have lots of major league memories. Um, I'm trying to think. Favorite one? Favorite one was Fenway. Fenway. There's a first-timers booth at Fenway. 
And we, you know, we went to the right booth and said we were first timers and told us to sit in our seats after the game. Uh, and they took us on the field around the warning track and got to like touch your green monster and touch Preston's pole. And that was definitely, uh, that was definitely my favorite one. How young were you when you started that? Uh, when we started it, what was I like four or five, maybe six, like very young. I was obviously very into baseball. And my parents were like, oh, this is cool. And we kind of went to a couple, went to like, at the time it was, What's the one in San Diego? I forget what it's called now. The old football state, Qualcomm. Right. Qualcomm, um, Dodger Stadium, Angel Stadium, a couple, like, you know, other ones very close. And then we kind of got into it and we started making trips out of it. It was very cool. So we got we got very close. And then I, I just played so much baseball in high school that we never even got a chance to, like, keep it going. So we did, like, 22 or 23 before we got to high school and then, and then didn't get any more because I was too busy. Um, I love this because my family and I tried to do the same thing. I, yes. mine wasn't trying to graduate uh, before I graduated high school. Mine was before I graduated college. We wanted to get to all 30 um, and came up just short because I had internships with MLB.com in my junior and senior summers. Uh, and that was difficult to work around because I was working so many games, so I couldn't get there. I got to 25 um, in that span. And at the time of our podcast, uh, of recording our podcast, I'm one shy at the time that this is released, I believe I will be just about getting my 30th or just had gotten the 30th ballpark. So finally able to cross off Seattle this year, which will be fun, get to all 30. But I relate to this so much because it's so fun. It's like such fond memories to try to make this bucket list type of trip of, okay, let's cross them all off. Let's get to all 30. Let's remember the high points of some of them. Let's remember which features we didn't like about other ones. Um, it's just, not only is it like a cool experience to like a bonding experience with your family, but it's just, it's neat to be able to go to all 30, something that so many people want to do who are big baseball fans. Um, and you just try to like rank them in your head. You start coming up with these lists of okay okay atmosphere wise to the rankings food rankings and uh just like how pretty it is rankings like uh like the backdrops i mean pnc has one of the best backdrops you can possibly have like there's all these different things to it so i love this answer i think it's great i can't believe i didn't know about that first timers at fenway thing the first right? time i went there i went there with my mom when i was touring colleges look into a few schools near Boston. And my requirement for college was I need to be near at least one major league team. So as we went <laughs> around and looked at schools, we went to baseball game. And that was the first time I really got to see ballparks outside of my sort of home base and where my family was. But it's so relatable to have the idea of I have a list on my phone because I believe I'm at 20 now and I need to get to those final 10. So I have my list to know where I need to get to. And I love how, you know, Paul Seawalt talking about this, these guys who play baseball, they're incredibly gifted and that's why they're here. But so many of them, grew up huge fans as well. And to be able to hear that from a current player and to hear that he isn't just here because he can throw a baseball, unlike most people in the world, if you think on the broad scale, but also because growing up, he loved this starting at, what did he say, age four? 
He started trying to go to all these parks with his family. I just love how this is a thread that you can really trace throughout people's baseball fandom. I think we can check back with AJ Casavelle, who apparently wanted to do the heavy lifting for us this week, which AJ, thank you. We greatly appreciate that. He spoke with someone I also covered in the past, Mike Clevenger, about why Clevenger likes pitching home games at Petco Park. Oh, well, it's a good pitcher's park this year. <laughs> it's proven to be so. I love that part. But no, I think aesthetically, it's not a park that's prettier than Petco. And obviously the weather's perfect. But yeah, just the way the seating's set up, it just feels like everyone's kind of on the field, doesn't feel so distant. Like a lot of like Dodger Stadium, you feel like even in the dugout, you're like not even a part of the game. Like can't even cheer for your teammates because you're so far away. And it kind of even feels that way about the fans. But Petco, it's like everyone's like right on top of you. And especially when the place gets loud, it gets real loud. I didn't really think about that. You think about Dodger Stadium and you think how historic it is. Uh, We were obviously there this year for the All-Star Game. We got to take all of that in. uh, And it's a beautiful park. But you don't think about it's big. It is big. And the dugouts are so far away. So, again, it's another player sort of drawing from what the crowd can provide for what they like best about a ballpark. Definitely. I know something my parents always said to me. Growing up, they always referred to Camden Yards as kind of the beginning of the newer ballparks, if you Mm -hmm. want to say. And they always talked to me about how one of the things that all the constructors of these parks seemed to gravitate towards was making it more intimate. And I think that's kind of what we're hearing here but not necessarily from the fan standpoint, but actually from the player standpoint. And it's so funny. I never think about that, the distance, the foul territory. I mean, you think about Oakland, you're so far from your teammates at first base or third base if you're in that dugout. And somewhere like Peko, as Clevenger is saying, is much, much closer. Yeah, you never really think of it until you hear something like this. And Sarah, we're trying to answer this question about what makes some ballpark experiences so special. We've heard these player perspectives. We've talked about our favorite ballpark memories when we were fans. But we also have another unique perspective because we work at the ballpark. A lot of people ask which are the best ballparks to work from as a reporter. And when I was first starting out as an intern, I wanted to know the same thing. So I would always ask some of the other reporters who had been around the league, and everyone had the same answer that made no sense to me. Everyone said the Trop, Tropicana Field. And in my head, as a fan, because almost every baseball fan will say that that's the worst, if not one of the worst, because there's not much life to it. It's a dome, so you don't really see too much of the outdoor world. And... Immediately, I jump into the work field and everyone says Tropicana Field is number one. Thinking, what the heck? What what are you guys experiencing that no one else is? Well, reporters often have a mindset of how is it easiest to get the job done? And they look at it as it's always 72 degrees. There is zero chance of a rain delay. I know when I show up for work, I'm going to start on time. And then... It's easy access up and downstairs where you don't have to fight through too many crowds to be able to get down to the clubhouse. And it was always so strange for me to picture it in that way because I had grown up looking at all these ballparks as a fan perspective and then suddenly it's what's most convenient to work in. I don't know if I've completely bought into that concept. I don't know if I've completely lost the fandom in me from 
just admiring a ballpark perspective because uh, I know we've mentioned this on Twitter many times. I'm the only reporter in the press box every single night hoping for a no-hitter because I just want to witness history. I want to see something cool. Um, so I haven't completely bought into the most convenient thing, but it does make sense. And it's not something that anyone ever thinks of from the outside. I think the single most important thing for me in a press box is whether you're outdoors or indoors. So for people who don't know, and I would imagine most people don't know, a press box like Yankee Stadium is totally outdoors. So there's no windows in front. When you're recovering game in April, you probably have gloves on. If you're like Mandy and I, you have gloves, coats, everything. But you feel like you're really out in the ballpark. And for me, I know that I haven't covered nearly as many April or October games as Mandy or so many other people. So maybe I'm a little, you know, maybe a little too idealistic, but I always want to be out there and really feel it. Another thing I'll say is that I do get the convenience slightly. I know you have, have you covered a game at Wrigley? I have not covered a game at Wrigley. I've only gone as a fan, but I know you have to fight the crowds. We will do an addendum when you cover a game (laughs) at Wrigley because I have covered games there. And to get to the clubhouse, you have to exit the press box, which is kind of where the upper deck is, walk down a ramp, walk through the concourse, and then get to the clubhouse. (laughs) Every other ballpark I have been in, there is maybe you're on the concourse for a minute, but there is an elevator, a press elevator, or something like that. So I covered a game in May 2015. The Cubs were playing the Pirates, and the ninth inning, The Cubs were up by a run, and again, because you need to walk through that concourse, you kind of have to get ready to go down to the clubhouse in the ninth inning. So I'm kind of standing in the concourse, watching the rest of the game. And of course, the Cubs closer is unable to keep that one run lead. And so instead of continuing down that ramp, and going to the clubhouse to cover post game, I had to go all the way back up. Of course, the game goes a couple of extra innings, and then the game ends on the wildest walk-off I've seen in person, where the Pirates Gregory Blanco kind of tripped, misplayed a ball. Matt Caesar ends up with a walk-off single, and we're all rushing down to get to the clubhouse in the midst of very boisterous, excited Cubs fans after a walk-off win. <laughs> Again, not a complaint. Covering baseball is the most amazing thing in the world. But it is very funny that you don't have to do that in any other ballpark that I'm aware of. In any other ballpark, you are waiting until the game ends, no matter what. You file something quick, then you head downstairs. But for the Cubs, you have to get ready in the ninth inning or whenever the game is close to ending. And if there is a walk-off situation, you're kind of behind the eight ball. So it was quite the moment, and that was the day that I realized that that setup of Ridley Field is certainly unique. 
Okay. Well, I'll hold off then. I'll hold off on being <laughs> definitive until I get to Wrigley as a worker. Um, might have a slightly different answer then. Sounds a little problematic. There's definitely things, like you said, there's some ballparks that you're enclosed. And not to throw shade here, not trying to throw shade anywhere, but uh, guaranteed right field. If those windows are shut, you feel like you're not even there. And it's crazy because... Uh, when I was just there, I didn't even know the national anthem had started because I did, you're so, you're like in this soundproof booth and during the game, sometimes when you're working, you're trained to look up when you hear a roar of a crowd because you're in the middle of writing a story. When you don't have that, it, I was with, um, Zach Meisel who covers the Cleveland guardians for the athletic. I looked up and he was like, wait, there was just a home run. Did you did you miss that? Because I really didn't even notice that happened because I was writing and it, it just sort of happens like that. So I do think there's a big, big perk to anything that always either keeps the windows open or doesn't have windows. It's really, really cool. I know Camden Yards doesn't have windows. Those types of things, you feel like you're in the atmosphere more. Um, I think we could just go for like the next six hours, but maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should hold off on it a little bit more. But I do think that we've collected enough information throughout all of this from our perspectives definitely player perspectives which were super neat and we're grateful for all of our reporters for helping us out there to get closer to answering this question so why don't we step away real quick we'll think about it a little bit more and then when we come back we'll try to answer our original question from the top of the show I was at Game 3 of the World Series with the Astros and Dodgers, and that was great, but it still doesn't compare to Game 7 of Astros-Yankees um, at Minute Maid Park. Um, seeing Charlie Morton come in out of the bullpen and take that game away was absolutely amazing. So that was one hell of a game. I would say that was probably my favorite ballpark experience. Here. Oh, gosh. Um, certainly the fans and the fan environments um, – I've been to 20 different Major League Baseball stadiums, and anytime the fans get into the game, that's when I get into the game. So whether I'm at home here at Progressive Field or somewhere away, it's always fun when the fans are involved. Welcome back to Fielding Questions with me, Mandy Bell, MLB.com reporter covering the Cleveland Guardians, and Sarah Langs, researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. After all of this information that we are still digesting uh i think we're getting a little bit closer to be able to answer our question um pretty simple question this week it's just like what makes a great ballpark i definitely think history plays into it and that's going to be a big part of this answer i do think that's a hundred percent correct but i also think part of what we learned and what we maybe already knew or proved even further is that it's personal you know everyone has a different answer and so much of it gets back to, as you said, history, not just overall baseball history, but personal history, memories at a ballpark and what people associate with that park. Remembering a trip with a family member, remembering checking off that final park on a list, whatever else it might be. And from the player perspective, Remembering those perks, remembering, hey, this is the best mound. Hey, that bathroom is really clutch and historic, whatever it might be. For guys to be able to have that kind of connection, 
I think that's really important as well. Yeah, like you said, it's personal. It's personal for fans. It's fans looking at it like, what ballpark makes me feel like I'm at some sort of event that I've never been at before? What is making this feel like home? Like how you went back at the very beginning of this podcast saying like, oh, well, this is my new, my favorite team's new home. And which one makes it feel like you're all in it together as like a community? Like I had gone to whenever I watched Cheaters' last home game. Fans have their own perspectives. And as we heard from players, they do too. And so many of these guys draw off of crowd reaction. And so many of these are personal of, okay, this ballpark might not be the best because of its features or because of the food that people can eat whenever you're there or whatever it may be. This guy really likes it because it seems like every time he plays there, the crowd's really into it. Whether they're booing him or cheering for him, they like the engagement from the crowd. It's what fuels them, whether it's positive or negative. So I think it's really, really cool to hear everyone's perspective, even if you're sharing a urinal with Babe Ruth, as we already learned from Rich Hill earlier, which I'm still not going to get over. (laughs) And now at the end of this podcast, I can confirm It is my favorite answer. I knew it would be. So yeah, I think that's pretty simple. There's no other way to say it. There really isn't. So we were able to get this week's answer. So excited to get next week's answer. This is so fun to do with you, Sarah, as you already know, because I've already texted you 8 billion times about it, and I continue to do so. Please don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions for us at all, please leave us a rating and a review. And we want to hear about your favorite ballparks and what you think makes a great ballpark. So tweet at us at Slings on Sports and at MandyBell02. Tell us your favorite ballpark memories, what you think makes a great park, and how we did in answering this question. We want to hear all about it because, again, ballparks and perspectives on them are all about community. Fielding Questions is a production of MLB Originals hosted by me, Mandy Bell, and Sarah Langs. Ian Kay is MLB's podcast lead. This episode was mixed and sound designed by Alexander Overington. Special thanks to Matt Myers. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.